This episode of Oops the Podcast is brought to you by Roman Swipes. Most guys have tried different ways to last longer, but thinking about Sonic the Hedgehog doesn't always work. The folks at Roman, an online men's health company, are changing the game with Roman Swipes, the secret to longer lasting sex. Roman Swipes are clinically proven to make you last way longer in bed. They're effective, easy to use, fast acting, but they do not require a prescription. Roman can ship swipes to you in discreet, unmarked packaging, and each swipes packet is small enough to hide in your wallet for whenever you need it. Swipes are amazing. They will not transfer to your partner so you can last longer without worrying. Because why should we worry? They're super easy to use. Just take the swipes out of the packet, swipe it on, let it dry, and you're good to go. That's it. When you go to GetRoman.com Francis, you can get your first month of swipes for just five bucks. When you choose a monthly plan, if you use the link GetRoman.com Francis, you can get your first month for just five dollars. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Yes or no? Did you ever take banned substances to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. I had no prior knowledge of the planned assault on Nancy Kerrigan. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior I engaged in. Hey everybody, it's Oops the Podcast again. I'm Francis, and I'm here with my dear friend and co-host, Julio Gallarotti. Julio, welcome. Hey, it's good to see you. I welcome you every week. It's nice. It's a nice thing As if you're the do. guest, but I, <laughs> I want to make sure people know who they're dealing with. Um, how you doing, pal? What's happening? I'm doing well, man. This weather, huh? How about this weather? I'll tell you, this is flu weather. Is it flu weather? I feel like, you know, the, the highs and lows, it was 90, it was 50, it's raining, it's warm, it's sunny. You better get that flu shot. Did you get your flu shot? I did not. And I actually haven't for the past two years, and I've been fine. Not oh, man, that's bad. That means that you're going to be the one dude who gets, gets the really bad strain of flu. Because it's been killing people lately. Really? I don't know. <laughs> Babies. The elderly. <laughs> Babies, I think. Later on the show, we will be welcoming the fantastic Wendy Starling. She's a great comedian, runs the show Glamour Puss with Christina Hutchinson from Guys We Fucked. Uh, and we are excited to have her. So stay tuned for that. Dude, I met a baby. I saw that. That video was great. Dude. I met a baby for the first. This is my first one. That was a great video. This is my first. She was my first. And uh, it was daunting because people, you know, babies are set. The people talk about babies. But they don't talk about when you don't know what it's like to meet a baby and how weird it is. The head. Right. You have to like support it. It lolls. <laughs> and I'm not saying it laughs out loud. I'm saying it lolls like it flops. It nods off. Yeah. Like an old man in a hammock. Or like a guy or... outside of the Bowery Mission waiting for his methadone. Yeah. Meth heads. <laughs> methadone heads. Methadone heads. These babies, they their heads law, and you have to support them, or else, I don't know, maybe something really like a they turn into Pez dispensers. Totally, <laughs> totally. And you know how when you carry a human, like an adult, an adult human, uh -huh. they kind of know how to distribute their their weight to prepare for being carried. Babies don't do that. Yeah, babies just kind of sit there like a dead body. They really do. <laughs> a little package of bones and fur and shit, and eh, maybe not fur, but. The point is, uh, I've met uh, parents who have babies who've told me that they're very protective of the baby and they, they're very choosy about the people that they let hold the baby and that they'll make people wash their hands before mm -hmm. they hold the baby. This couple, it was almost as if they just tossed it to me. 
<laughs> was it their second baby? No, their first. Oh, wow. They didn't do any kind of background check. They didn't ask me to wash my hands. Uh, there was no there was no safety briefing. There was nothing that prepared me to hold this baby. And they they just put it in my arms. And I was like, ugh. And I was so nervous that I was gonna, gonna that the baby was gonna spit on me and I was just gonna go Bleh, and like <laughs> toss it on the floor. And then, you know, then my shirt is ruined. Um, and not only that, but uh the their baby is paralyzed. <laughs> and I'm probably on the hook for medical bills for most of the kid's life, which is something that you often get when you are the father of the baby. But I didn't even get to have the sex. I didn't even get to enjoy the sex that created it. So yeah. that would be worse. Do you know how much it costs to upgrade wheelchairs, by the way? What? <laughs> like if, 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 if the baby's paralyzed and I'm on the hook for paying for its medical bills all of its life. Kids grow out of wheelchairs all the time. Well, isn't this baby theoretically covered? By what? Baby insurance? I guess, right? Is there such a thing? There must be. When the baby's born, does it, I mean, babies get sick all the time, dude. That's true. They do. I bet they do have baby insurance. I don't. Is it baby insurance? Is it just like insurance under your insurance till you're 26? Yeah, I guess it is a human at that point. Uh, so maybe it's like the family health care plan. Well, dude, I love how you had the TSA pre-check of baby holding. He, I, I didn't, didn't make you though. wash your hair. That was hands. my point. They didn't do any of That's that. That's what I mean, because just... you had a pre-check situation. Oh, yeah. So you got to go right through the fast track. I know. And I needed a little bit more of a briefing. Right. I was nervous. But then you get used to it, and that was cool. And then they brought out a bottle of breast milk that they had squeezed themselves. Fresh squeezed breast milk. <laughs> Fresh squeezed breast milk, bee milk. It had, it had, uh, you know, it had uh, flakes in it. It was like almond milk, like yeah, it had, had it a nice chalky. consistency. Yeah, it was chalky. You could tell it was freshly squeezed because it had it. it had the pulp, <laughs> pulp in it. Some pulp, breast milk, breast pulp. <laughs> it had some pulp in it. So I, I am ramming this bottle into the baby's mouth because they're telling me like. Just ram it in there, you know? She's not going to find it unless you stick it in her mouth. And uh, and by the way, I've dealt with that before, but with adults. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I turned the lights off. What can I say? Um, so I, I'm giving this this baby the breast milk. And then they were, I was like, man, what does it taste like? And they were like, why don't you try it? And I'm sitting across from the two breasts from whence came this freshly squeezed breast milk. And I, I felt so uh, like I'd be violating the couple if I were to sip the breast milk. I mean, you would have really been violating the couple if she popped her tit out. <laughs> it's like, come try it. Yeah, that, that you, know, you know what? I would do that. Fresh from the source. If they offered that, I'd be like, like I don't know anyone like who's done this. Drinking sure. from a mountain spring. And your boy's like, yeah, dude, go ahead, man. They, she, she loves it. He told me to, he said it tastes like a milkshake because apparently he's tried it, which I guess they keep it in the family. I don't know. Who the fuck are these parents, dude? They're great people. And I also, love them to death. They just let you, and you're like, can I also use the baby for my promo? Like, I sure. sure did. They were sure. very open about all of that. I was wondering about that. I did, I did text them and ask them if I could post the Instagram. Um, and they said, sure, you know, because I had written a, a somewhat endearing caption. 
But then I said, do you want me to tag you in it? And I expected them to say no. But they were like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, so you guys are trying to get some followers. Okay. Nice. All right. Pretty cool. No, I'm kidding. They're, they're wonderful people. It was really fun to hang out with the baby. But uh, I did not try the breast milk. I felt so weird about that. Would you guys have tried it? Yeah, dude. You would have tried the breast milk? Fuck yeah, dude. For, like, you're drinking her, the other human. You're drinking her, the woman. You're drinking, no, you know you're not. You're drinking her breast milk. It's not her. You're not drinking her. It's, to me, not that far off from me offering you a little sip of my semen. Something that I generated myself in my body and uh, it has some caloric benefit and, and you know, I, I just felt weird. All right, first of all, the caloric benefit of semen is a disputed topic. I think it's protein heavy. I do that, think it is. You know, I, I think that's potentially a fallacy. Is that true? It I, must have protein in it. Number two, though, like semen isn't drank drunken commonly by infants. By babies. Or people. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Oh, man. What do you think about this, dude? I was with my two friends in LA, and we were eating lunch, and they have a baby, adorable little baby. And uh, my buddy's wife, who is also my very good friend, we're sitting there, and she just pops her titty out, starts feeding the baby I'm at for lunch it. outside. I'm, I'm for, for it, too. And I'll tell you why. Uh, I, first of all, the reason I'm for it is I don't care. And I think if you don't have a stance... Then erring on the side of the women's rights is always the right play if you're a man. Here's the question. Why would you have a stance about that is my question. What is so offensive about breastfeeding a child? Isn't it like the greatest thing? Well, yeah. I don't think anyone thinks that breastfeeding isn't offensive. I think that people take issue with it because bearing a naked breast in public is seen as some sort of public indecency. Right, but I feel but that like, to me is an old-fashioned trope. It's hundred percent. And the people who I know who have an issue with it have no problem with tits in public or tit. Like if they were to be at Mardi Gras, they'd think it was awesome. So what's their issue? Maybe they're jealous. They want to be feeding. Is it mostly men that have an issue with it, or do you know women that have an issue with this? Both. Really? Yeah. And it's stupid. And their their reasons always always seem hollow to me. Yeah, I agree with that. It's like the girls are maybe jealous because they don't aren't getting the attention. Or maybe they can't bear children. And they feel like it's oh being rubbed in God. their face. I'm just trying to figure it out. Should I don't we know. just assume that every woman who doesn't agree with public breastfeeding is barren? <laughs> I don't know. Is that what we're to assume? I don't know. I don't know. Dude, the to that. The, in New York City, it is legal for women to walk around topless. Did you know that? I think I did know that. Completely legal anywhere. And the reason is, of course, that it's legal for men to, to walk around topless. You can go jogging without your shirt on. And uh, why would it be a different standard for women? And every year they do a topless women's march. Really? It's one of those free the nipple campaigns. Where? It starts up in Times Square and then comes down <laughs> through and ends in Bryant Park. It's like the marathon. It's a short distance. It's not too far. But I marched with them one year for Barstool. I was filming it and I was interviewing people. And I'll tell you this, uh, the people that were in the march, 90% of them were all about women's equality. 10% of them were men with high-tech cameras who were just there to store up 
thousands of photos for their spank bank later. <laughs> and then the sidewalks were lined with these creeps as well. Adoring fans, yeah. we call them. And it's almost like <laughs> y you'd have to know that that's what, for me, if you're a woman, that's what sucks, is that you're trying to make this positive statement about, like, treat us the same way. There's no reason that we should hide parts of our body that, are, that men don't have to hide. But the, the only, and everyone's on board with that, except some people are on board for completely the wrong perverted reasons. Yeah, yeah. These yeah. toothless jackals that have <laughs> megascope Panasonic cameras and are just fucking, you, you can hear it like it's a chain gun on an Apache helicopter, just <laughs> thousands of pictures. They're up in the trees, getting better lighting, vantage points. These guys, you could see them, and I just—I wanted to fucking smack them because you know I was topless, and I started to feel like I was part of the tribe. That's crazy. Those yeah. guys would drink the milk. <laughs> they sure would. <laughs> they probably keep some. Those guys would drink the fucking milk. They probably got a mini fridge full of it. Dude, that's crazy. Well, I was thinking about um, another fantasy that I've been having. Here. another hero fantasy and i don't know why this one didn't occur to me when we talked about uh the stopping of the school shooting fantasy or the active shooter because this is one that i have just as often i often envision myself on a road and in front of me a car drives off the road at a bridge into the water like a river and starts to sink and I pull up in my car, jump out of the car, I jump into the water, I dive below the surface because now the car is sinking, and I rip open the window, and I pull a mother and her young child out of the car. But someone else dies. Who's the other person who dies? Probably a husband. Oh, okay. And for whatever reason, whenever I picture this, the woman is Latina. Is the husband? I don't know. I don't even think about him that much because I kind of just wave goodbye as he sinks below because <laughs> his seatbelt is trapped, mangled. The plastic is mangled. You didn't he's have time stuck. to save him. Well, you, you know, I had to make a choice. And obviously I chose the woman and the child. And there are a few reasons that this image comes to mind. By, by the way, I think there's nothing more heroic than jumping into a river and pulling people from a, a sinking car. Because you're really putting yourself at risk if you do that. Absolutely. Clock's ticking. Yeah, and it's dark. Water is dark at that hour, night. And the Latina community loves me. I've saved this baby. Unfortunately, we lost Jorge <laughs> Posada. <laughs> but... I then have a relationship with the wife because I am her guardian angel. I raise the child as my own for a little bit and then go on my own way. But that's, that is a, a fantasy I have all the time. That's good, man. Does she reward you with a fresh bottle of her finest breast milk? <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if she's still feeding. You're like, I've been here before. I think the child's in a, like a, a booster seat, but it's probably able to sing songs along with the car radio at that point. So it's not, maybe it's not breastfeeding anymore. They've weaned it off. Although I don't know how long the Latina community breastfeeds for. Maybe it's longer. 
like that kid from Game of Thrones. Oh, who's like a grown? Yeah, that person. was weird. That was so weird. Dude, that's pretty good. I have one as well, but mine is a little more selfish. My fantasy. I have a fantasy. Mine's pretty selfish. I'm, I'm effectively murdering the husband no, so no, that no. I can sleep with his wife. He was going to die anyway. But that's funny. Imagine you consider saving the husband and then see how <laughs> hot the wife is. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever <laughs> see that movie, iRobot, with Will Smith? Because that was a big piece of that movie. He had to save one of he, he saved the the robot saved him instead of saving the woman and, and that vision of that scene also do you watch succession no i heard it's good oh it's good i love it <laughs> there's another element like that in there okay anyway keep going i want to hear your okay. selfish fantasy my selfish fantasy is that i'm at a crosswalk 23rd and park let's say wow specific yeah there is a woman crossing the street classic a taxi cab makes a sharp left turn. You know how sometimes it's unclear if you can make that left across Park Avenue, even though there's a light in the middle? Yeah. This guy blasts through the red light, and he's about to hit this woman and kill her. I dive into the way, and I push her out of the way to safety. I then am very minimally injured. Yeah, good. Um, and after all the dust settles, the woman rewards me with a check for $2 million. Oh, that's great. That is a good one. And I, I'm be honest with you, I have had a similar one too. <laughs> Pushing a baby out of the car or a, a baby or a family out of the way of an oncoming truck and you then dive, but maybe the truck runs over your ankle and there's this, an ankle break. You probably injury. need to break it. So here, here's, where, here's where this is selfish though. Sometimes I think in my head, how can I arrange this situation? How can I put a woman... Yes. In harm's way, who I know is the heir to a very large fortune. Really good. I get her in the crosswalk. I hire someone to come around that corner. Give him 10% of the settlement. He, he, maybe he even injures me a little more than we had planned. And now I have a limp forever. But it's worth it because I now have $2 million. Yeah, $2 million if you're limping for the rest of life. And it, let's say it's a nagging pain that causes you to rely more on booze and then opiates <laughs> probably not worth it i think that's too much i would need the pain to to go away after probably three months okay for, for two mil fair enough i that's my policy about uh like tasks for money i will i can be bought for anything as long as i have a 90 percent chance of survival mm. i'm not doing harm to others right and i don't come out of it with a permanent injury or disability. The, the problem with setting up this scene with another guy, let's say a taxi driver, is the, the, what is, the taxi driver is presumably going to prison or losing his medallion license because he's driven so recklessly. And I don't know that he would agree to just do it for 10%. Well, here's the thing. I would have to be the one who pressed charges, and I will agree beforehand that I will not be doing so. Oh, because you were hit? I'm hit. Not but is she's super rich, which means she probably has a good lawyer. And in that case, there's a good chance she'll press her own charges for endangering the life of her child. But I can also say Gertrude, and I'll look her deep in her 80-something-year-old oh, eyes. she's old. old looking at tough. her in a very sincere way and say, you've done so much in your life. I can handle it. I'm staring deep into Chris's soul right now as I do this. This is good. I'm wet. You can handle it. Or I can handle it. Don't worry about it. You go home. And, and she's pacified. 
pacify. She's like, okay. Okay. So the the really tricky part, that I'm just pointing out a few loopholes that you, you have to good. cover, this like some loose ends. You'd have to make sure that your correspondence with the driver had not occurred via text message or was not traceable such that the DA would find that the two of you knew each other. Right. You'd have to make sure you really acted as if you were strangers to each other. Because they can sniff that kind of thing out. You know? So the question that I have on based on that is, at what point is the DA being involved if we're handling this all out of court? Well... They pick up on what happened? So the DA presses charges regardless of whether or not you... Uh, that's not true. So the DA is the criminal court, right? So it's the state. And they would determine whether or not this guy needed to do jail time or shouldn't be driving with, you know, cabs right. anymore. Especially if the story makes the news, right? Yeah. It gets exposure, which I But then if would. you pressed... Well, you're not trying to win money from him, though, because Gertrude gives you the two million. Gertrude's giving me the money. Okay, so you're... All right, so you're just dropping all the charges. And listen, okay. Gertrude has plenty of money. You know what I mean? Her kids, all their properties are in trust. They're good for life. Their kids are good for life. She still has that nice chunk of spending money. She's lonely, man. She's part of some sort of like Domino Sugar, uh, heir to the you know Domino Sugar fortune. Right. Her and her grandfather maybe earned the money, so she has kind of always had it set up. But she's actually a lovely person for somebody who inherited that kind of wealth. She's I can humble. see her wearing nice jewelry. And you know what? She looks good for her age too. Does she? And you're right. She's well put together. She has nice jewelry. She had that turkey neck taken care of. Turkey neck taken care of, but not too much. Not too much filler. She yeah, still what, looks what is, elderly and lovely. What is it with the turkey neck? Old women? Oh. <laughs> you know, you, you feel bad for the women that can't pay to have it taken care of because it's just to hang down like the, the what connects the back of your ball sack to your gooch. <laughs> oh the turkey neck on old women? Ugh. Oh my god! It's no, like you're, the, you're right. Though. Like a terrible vulva or something. <laughs> oh right on your face. Oh my god! Oh. Guys, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, fill in the blanks here. If I were in a concert right now and I said, "If you're thinking about starting a podcast," I'd then turn the microphone to all of you sitting in the stadium, and you would all yell, "Anchor, anchor!" And then you'd say, "Go to Anchor.fm to download the software." where you could host your very own podcast, see all the best analytics. You could see it in a way that was really user-friendly and nice and not too technical and industry jargony. It's a way that any person can look at it and be like, ooh, that's pretty. And also it's our podcast. And you, there's no minimum listenership required to advertise and monetize. So you can immediately have ads when you hit the ground running. It's really exciting, really spectacular. If you want to start your very own podcast, anchor.fm, download it now. Well, I'll tell you what, I saw Diane Keaton walking down the street the other day. Oh, she's classy. Zero work done on that face. Really? All wrinkled up. She was wearing a flat brim fitted hat that said dope in capital letters on it. <laughs> and I was like, I would. Wow. She's great. I'd do it. She's Her great movies were Annie Hall. That's a good one. Uh, the Godfather. Godfather. Play K. Um, I liked her in The Family Stone. Did you see that I movie? I did not see that. That was in her in her Twilight years. She has a bunch of good ones. I, I can't think She's of any. Got a great more. smile. She wrote a book too. Diane Keaton. Gotta love it. I sent Chris the video of the guy of the man blowing the other man on the subway platform. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. That is just good stuff. Good content. So I sent Chris another video yesterday. I'm not sure if you saw it, but I feel that this video 
Because I was sharing it with a friend and he's like, dude, I got you beat on that. And I was like, no way you got me beat on this. He shows me the video. Shout out my, my pal Rudy for showing me this. A man takes a hit of crack, pulls his pants down. The man behind him also takes a hit of crack and then blows the hit up the man's ass and then begins to eat the man's ass for a while. And I was like, this is unbelievable. And there's no gratuitous nudity in it. It's maybe one of the finest. Do you know how hard it would be to blow a hit of crack up a butthole? I'm going to show you the That'd video. be like filling up the world's tightest balloon. <laughs> it, butts don't accept air that well. Am I wrong? I, I, I mean, is he yeah. putting his lips right on the rectum and just... Francis oh, my God. Currently... We're watching this here. We can include this in the YouTube clip. Perhaps. I think there's no nudity. Oh, boy. Oh, God. <laughs> it's oh good stuff. God. You send it to me? Yeah. And this I was like sitting really... at the dinner table and I was texting you about something else and you sent it right to me and I was just like, you know, I, I know. This is, I'm not going to open this right now. Not, I shouldn't open this right now. And you then with I, your parents? I, yeah. I was eating dinner and I was, I was texting you about something else and then you just sent that to me. I was like, no, I'm just. Look, in fairness, Chris. This guy in the video is eating dinner too. Yeah, and <laughs> and who are you to begrudge him his salad? You know uh, that he's tossing. Because your mom's like, so how's the podcast going, sweetie? As you watch a man dining on another man's. Oof. Those two, those two really seem to have. Who's that on your phone? This is my girlfriend. Uh, this is a picture of her as a child. Wow. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. First of all, this is a great picture. She yes, looks very sure. sophisticated. That's true. At a young age. But and I put it on there early as sort of like a romance tactic. And then it's kind of just stayed here. And the other day she's like, you can change it if you want. And I did. And she's like, wow, I actually really hate that you changed it. It's affecting me more than I thought it would. So as a courtesy, I've left it. And I also like it. You, okay. To me, if I were your girlfriend, I would think that you like me but that you would have liked me a lot more as a child. <laughs> that you want to immortalize the image of me at my best attractiveness for you. If we were dating, you would actually think that? <clears throat> I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> but it's not something you see very often. You don't see a guy uh, putting his bat phone background as a child picture of the girlfriend. Right. I, you'd be surprised how rarely people mention it. It's very sweet. They tend to not take issue with it. Yeah, it's a very sweet thing. I have an adult picture of my girlfriend and me on, on my phone background. Really sweet. Well, you know, I'm not a pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the difference. Dude, you know what I, you know what I hate? This is a, a new topic, but... I was in uh, this store the other day and I was shopping for t-shirts mm. and the person working in the store was like judging me and treating me like I wasn't cool enough to be shopping in the store. Uh, and I feel like that's a classic retail thing where people who work there, because they work there and they get 75% off and have all the clothes, they now think they're better than you. Like they designed it themselves. Or I think there are a few things at play. Usually I see this when I walk into a store where everything is extremely expensive and I'm not dressed anywhere near what 
the cost of the items in the store are. So they know pretty clearly that I'm not there as a serious customer. And if I'm going to go through and unfold a whole bunch of shit for the express purpose of, of, of just browsing with no intent to buy, they're not going to be that excited that I'm in the store. Totally. But then the other thing is, um, like, were you, were, was it in a very expensive store? Kind of like sort of, but no. Like, there, this section of the store was kind of t-shirts and stuff. They had more expensive. And for t-shirt stuff, you know, there's t-shirts that are like 100 bucks. I was looking yeah. for, you know, maybe $50 range. And I was asking questions and I bought shit. It was just very huh. rude and dismissive. I was like, this is so fucking annoying. I do think that. If you work in retail, you become very attuned to knowing if a customer walks in, uh, what the odds are that that person will actually buy something. I think that you become good at at evaluating the way that they are going about shopping, and you can tell pretty quickly if the person is there for real. Right. And if you know that they're not, it would be impossible as a salesperson, to treat that person with the same uh, level of respect, attention, um, as you would somebody who comes in with like 14 shopping bags already on their arms from the big day of shopping that they've bought from similar stores. Like if you work at Gucci and someone walks in with three Chanel shopping bags, two Hermes bags, and a Dior bag, you're like, oh, this person is hitting all the spots and they're right. going to buy something here. Right, 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 right. You're laying down the red carpet for them. Yeah, that makes sense. But no, it sounds like the woman was just not a very nice person. And I don't think working in retail lends itself to being a very nice person. Right, and I also think it's one of those things like she's probably so used to being abused by good customers that when somebody's nice, they're like, oh, this guy must be a scrub. Therefore, oh. I'm going to treat him the way that I have been treated. Interesting. The bullied bully. How much do you think a retail salesperson's ability as a salesperson affects your likelihood of buying an item of clothing? Probably very little, but many times I'll be at the register and they're like, who helped you today? Well, that's because you know? they do get, they get a they commission. They get some chunk. They get a commission. Uh, and not everywhere, but but they, they often do. And... I'm I'm sure there are better salespeople than others, but I'm trying to think about what affects what could a salesperson do at a retail store that would affect me and convince me to buy something. Right? What they always say is, "Wow, that looks really good on you." Right? Mm. They always say that that looks so good on you. And then what my parents say is, "Fran, you can't just buy it because they said it looked good on you. Because everything looks good on you. You're <laughs> tall and lean, so you could be shopping at." you know macy's or fucking gucci and they're gonna say the same shit because they want you to buy it so they kind of disavow me of that but they're also arguing that it's sincere because you are tall and lean their sincerity lends itself to you buying more because everywhere you go you're gonna get that feedback right (laughs) it's uh, it is tricky (laughs) I guess if they bring me a water, that's nice. It is lovely. Um, lovely touch. If they're coy or playful, if the women are flirtatious, <laughs> those are all elements that might I- endear me to buy an item that I was not so inclined to buy. 
lend itself to a sale. Dude, one time, oh, I was looking to buy paintings, art, mm. you know? Yeah. And I was put in touch with a painter, an artist, a young woman in Brooklyn who was like a friend of my sister's friend. And I went over to her studio, which was also her apartment, to look at some of her paintings. And I was so attracted to this woman that I ended up buying two of the paintings. Mm. And then I brought them home and I hung them up on my wall. And a week later, we went on a date. And we went to see the movie uh, Summerland. No, La La Land. We saw La La Land and I loved it. And then we went back to her apartment with the paintings again. We made out for a little bit. And then I went home and realized that I was no longer attracted to her. And then when I got home, the paintings on my wall looked like shit. And I realized that the entire allure of the paintings was tied to my attraction to the artist. And then I started thinking, well, I guess I'd better hope that she dies because <laughs> the, everyone knows that paintings gain value when the artist is no longer alive and I need to get rid of these things as soon as possible. Well, dude, I think that that's the whole point of a good piece of art. You have a great story. They're like, wow, Francis, look how hideous your art is. And, I'm, and you're like, I know it was the craziest thing. This woman was just so attractive and sincere it, and deep yeah, that I was forced to buy it. It was like I was dating, not the, I wasn't dating the painting. I was dating her. And then when I realized that we weren't really right for each other, uh, the paintings lost all, they went from like a, a nine to a five. Right. And I didn't want them on my wall anymore. But then I'd spent $3,000 on these two paintings. Oh, Jesus. And I, dude, I ended up, um, when I moved out of that apartment, I ended up just putting one of them out on the street for free. Oh my, somebody and it was picked up. That's going to be in the New York post. It made me happy that someone did take it. Selena Adams painting found on the sidewalk, but I still have the other one, Is it but here? I don't, I just have it hidden away in a fucking closet somewhere. Ugh, dude, I mean, one of my friend's parents bought a, a bad piece of art and it was weird too. Like he bought it and he put it up on the wall and it was just two men like staring into each other's eyes and like touching each other on the beach. And he was like, what does huh. this say about me? And it's obvious what it says about him. <laughs> but I had to lie, dude. I had to be like, oh dude, I think it, you know, you love the beach and like, this is your beach. <laughs> you like ocean spray. You're a nautical man. You yeah. naughty naughty boy it was crazy i was like dude jesus christ and like i don't know yeah, pretty intense moment well these are all oopses <clears throat> purchasing yeah. things because you're attracted to someone and not actually wanting of the thing uh showing off proving to the girl that you're cool yeah i'll take it the, these are all good mistakes that we should counsel you to avoid uh because you have to to know that buying a painting is not going to necessarily ensure a life of love with the the creator of the painting right in fact quite the contrary is yeah. most likely at this point i i have to ask my parents if I, i'm not in the art buying game but if i were to even consider buying art i would make sure to ask my parents first they know about art they that? have a much better eye for it than i do there's a painting upstairs in my apartment it's of a, a lobster boat 
Uh, it's above the piano, and it 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 has uh, a wonderful e- echoes of Maine, and it, the name of the painting is End of Day, and the lobstermen are pulling the traps out of the water, and there's a beautiful uh, dog sitting at the stern of the boat, very peacefully, <laughs> and the entire thing transports me back to Maine, and every time I look at it, it gives me peace, and that is the key to a good piece of art is that every time you look at it on the wall, it should make you feel good. You should isolate that clip and submit it to your agent and tell them that you want to do audiobooks because that was so soothing. (laughs) (laughs) You know, people have told me that I have an interesting voice. I hate my voice. It's no secret to the two of you that I don't listen to any of our podcast episodes, (laughs) but it's not out of uh, laziness. It's that I can't handle it. I really, I, I really can't even handle the. I can watch some of my stand-up clips. I can't listen to my stand-up. So I hate doing it as well. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if people are fucking with me when they say they like my voice, but I really. Some people do, I think, and then some people really don't. You do a voice. You speak at a good pace. You I speak good, slowly. Good diction. I speak very slowly. And I speak well. Good I vocabulary. Do, yeah, yeah. Well, I've gotten, I've gotten more thoughtful about it. Did you watch Gary Goldman's special? I did. I went to the taping. Oh, that's... You did? Yeah. Wow. I did. Man, I thought it was immaculate. I loved it too. It is an immaculate hour of comedy. And there is a wonderful joke about how millennials have appropriated literally. Oh, that was great. And he said for so many years, it it, it had a rich history (laughs) derived in the 1520s. It meant actually or, uh, you know, I don't remember what the other synonym he used was. (laughs) And then he said in somewhere around 2008, millennials said, no, literally can also mean figuratively. That was great. (laughs) It will contain its own antonym. (laughs) Oh, my God. What a great joke. Yeah. It was nice, too, also to see a special that was so mainstream that had very little to do with the current climate of oh, yeah. PC culture. And it's just very different. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's very personal mm-hmm. and relatable and also not fishing for, you know, hopping on the mental health bandwagon, just auth- authentically carrying the flag. Well, he did something that nobody has done that I've heard, which was to characterize depression as a disease in the way that you would talk about cancer or uh, di- diabetes or any other disease that we all take so seriously. Right. The fact that he checked himself into the hospital and then underwent true chemical treatments and his listing of all of the antidepressants that he's taken, I think that it would educate even the most ardent doubter of uh, the true disease nature of, of depression and hopefully reframe the conversation for some people. Totally. And remember when he was talking about electroshock therapy and he goes, yeah. it was wonderful. I thought that was yeah, so fucking yeah. funny. <laughs> and he was right. My terror, my terror, my abject terror towards electroshock therapy of the brain as a treatment for depression or whatever was all stemmed from watching One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and how... He returns, Jack Nicholson returns to the ward of vegetable. Right, lobotomized. And he's gritting that 
he's got that wooden spoon or that bit between his teeth and it starts writhing and kicking and you just think that's that's what it is and clearly it's not but to be honest with you i didn't even know they were still doing electroshock therapy right right i did not know that that was still a treatment i thought that had been kind of wiped out right i mean the way he portrays it it sounds like there's a you know not traumatizing version of it that right. we're used to in movies where you know you bite on the the mouth guard and it's like that yeah you know what i mean right um, the, the really tough o face yeah from a very painful orgasm <laughs> like when you're coming around kidney stones <laughs> <laughs> like a river of rapids I, I wrote a blog at Barstool once that was uh, it was it was uh, offered tips about how to avoid suicidal thinking because it was something that I was going through and it was something I was I was really in a dark place and uh, you write so many blogs at Barstool and this was ultimately my, my undoing that you kind of forget that people are fucking reading these things and I wrote this long meandering blog about how I cope with suicidal thoughts and some of the techniques that I've come up with, you know, basic things like getting outside and exercising, uh, calling your parents, whatever. And I wrote this blog and I put it up for about 15 minutes and then I took it down because I was like, man, this is too personal. This is not what people come to Barstool for. But within, by the end of the day, I had received probably... 150 emails, maybe 200 DMs from people who had said, my God, I can't tell you how much reading that helped me. That's incredible. I've been going through the same thing and to see somebody who I look up to or who I read on a daily basis, who I assumed had everything going for them, having similar thoughts made me realize that, you know, this is not just me and that I'm not alone. And it, it, it really seemed to help a lot of people. And for that reason, I was always very proud and happy that I had done it. You do get the, a few people being like, what a pussy bitch, you know, you're, 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 you're so soft to be talking about, you know, woe is me. I'm depressed, yada, yada. Depression shaming. Basically, the, the sort of ad response that you might get from a coal mining father in Wyoming. <laughs> you know? Do they have coal mines in Wyoming? Who knows? <laughs> Who can say? Nobody's been out there. <laughs> but uh, I think for the number of people that responded positively, dude, there was one guy that wrote me an email and he said the, that he the, the morning that he read the blog, the night before... He had driven to the George Washington Bridge. He had gotten out of his car and he had walked to the middle. He had written his suicide notes and he had looked over the edge and just was was going to do it. And then something pulled him back and he didn't know what, but he was still feeling like shit in the morning. And he read my blog and he said it calmed his thoughts and, and reframed his mind and set him straight and made him feel grateful. And it was so clear, so acute. And that one was like, you know, wow. holy shit. So then I spent like two weeks responding to all these people because I felt the need to actually reply. And uh, it's still probably the thing that I'm most proud of having done at Barstool. That's great, man. That's even better than the, the saving the woman from the ocean fantasy. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't, but they put it up on the Reddit. Like they were places you could access it. Um, and, uh, you know, I think enough people got the message, but man, a lot of people feel that way. It's pretty wild. Fucking great, so. man. Well, everybody, it's, it's guest time and we are so excited today to welcome Wendy Starling, comedian extraordinaire. Uh, Wendy, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Can we lead us into, give us a few more uh, places that we can find you right off the bat, just in case anyone's not going to, you know. Yeah, in case they're going to check out halfway through this, um, which in which case they'll for sure want to come see me live. So follow me on Instagram. It's at WendyBird82, W-E-N-D-I. B-I-R-D-82, the year I was born. I'm 37. Sorry, everybody. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to apologize for my age out of the gate. Um, the Glamour Post is the monthly show that I run. That next one is November 16th at Zinc Bar. Um, October 23rd, I don't know when this is coming out, but I'm headlining at the House of Yes. That's going to be super fun. Oh, that's cool. So, cool. yeah, yeah. Come Very to that. Cool. You know, people talk about this place, the House of Yes. Uh, it, it was sort of like what I would hear about the box. It was a component. I think it's the same. There's overlap. Is there? Yeah. Do you know about the box? I've been in the box. Uh, the first time I did cocaine was in the bathroom at the box off of some dude's dick. First time off a of dick? Yes. That, in New York City. Isn't that great? That's Good like for you. starting sex with an anal gangbang. I know. <laughs> Heavens to Betsy. Isn't that great? And I was like 33 <laughs> at the time. So I didn't even I didn't do drugs until I moved to you. This I, is probably when I met you when this was happening. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wendy and I temped together at Calvin Klein, the corporate headquarters. Yeah. Folding lingerie. Oh, yes. Wow. Yeah, well, I, that's... I don't know how to fold lingerie. I just bunch it. Well, that's... <laughs> I'm a I, buncher. I was doing that, too. I would bunch it up, show it to my pussy, sell it on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> she would. She's told me about this. Um, yeah, and that was great because it, it was all profit. Oh, yeah. Do you think that me doing cocaine coincided with me being like, how do I make extra cash? <laughs> I'll put things in my pussy and put it on the Internet. So so <laughs> spiraling. You got to right. tell us, you got to tell the people what what you're talking about. What happened <laughs> with that? What do you mean? Now, I, do, I know the story. Now, I do want to say this. Shockingly, get ready. This is not my mistake. <laughs> This was this is when I started making good decisions in life when I was like doing blow and I'm you get you do get good ideas if you do the right amount. You know what I mean? Like if you stop at a certain point, you get smart ideas. So I used to sell my panties on Craigslist for cash. Um, and it was I was on the Internet. I was on Craigslist looking for the Internet. I'm 72. <laughs> I'm not 37. I was on Craigslist looking for used costumes for a play. In the use, and there's like a used clothing section. So I went, and then I just saw pictures of like chicks, and like in underwear, and they were like twenty five dollars, thirty five dollars, freshly worn. I was like, hold on, wait a minute. I have a pussy. I got panties. <laughs> I got to get in on this game. So I started doing that. I just started jerking off into panties. Wait, what? I come a lot, so I would just masturbate and come like. Oh, just get them nice and wet. Get them nice and wet. And what you do is you masturbate, you get, and then I remember one time I was in LA because it's a nice job because it's, you can take it anywhere. You know what I mean? You can do it. I Work was from in, home. Right. Exactly. Uh, so Remotely. many times you'd be on stage and you got a pair of panties inside of your, you're like, hi, oh, I'm working so you, both jobs. You would put them. 
Oh my god! Uh, multitasking. Yeah. Women can do. We can't have it all. You would. You would <laughs> shove the entire thing into your vagina. Sometimes. Sometimes just that for like uncomfortable. An, well, mm, I mean, it's kind of they're silk, especially the Calvin Klein plug. Very high quality panty. <laughs> plug. That's ways. great. Yeah, exactly. You're getting Pun your supply intended. for free. Right. It's fantastic. It was all profit. Um, Brilliant. But it was it was just as easy. The only thing that these buyers wanted was the scent of you. Right. In the panty. Yeah. And, and the history. Well, they like, well, and I would meet them in person and I get off on it because I'm sexually fucking into a lot. I just have, have super high libido. I'm, I, everything, I'm like, I'm fu- anything weird, I'm like, let's do it. I'm into it. So I would get off knowing that I was going to like sell panties to these fucking rich, like hot, like finance guys. They were, they, the dudes that I met were like good looking. There were three See, regulars. This is what is so crazy. When I am picturing a guy on Craigslist, who is scrolling for used women's underwear that has been soiled. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't piss in it unless they ask. And that is extra. <laughs> extra. $10 more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, good. So I, I just don't picture those guys being these handsome jet setting rich men. It, 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 it is. And it's the, I think what I've discovered in my last four years in New York, since I like kind of climbed into this like underbelly, which is what it feels like. I went, I found like the secret tunnel into the right. hyper wealthy and kind of kinky, that whole world, the whole uh, eyes wide shut. Yes, it really is. 50 it's shades. The shadows. Bright. Yes. That's for sure what it is. Cause these dudes, <laughs> how are they're rich? So they can pay for anything. So they've kind of hit all these markers in life where it's like they can buy, you can, you can buy sex, you can get the best drugs, you can take a private jet somewhere, you can do all that. So nothing's really exciting. So you're constantly looking for like, what's the next? How do I turn this up a notch, right? right? Mm-hmm. And the panty thing is there's something about that that they get off on just different weird fetishes. And that's, that's one for some guys where they get off on, I have this regular chick leaving her job on her lunch break. And I'm going to jerk off in her panties and they're just, they just get off. You just need another fucking right. thing. But even at $50 a pair, mm-hmm. I don't think that you were pricing your panties into a, a different tax bracket. So how was it? Did you, you must have found some guys who weren't those suave cosmopolitan men. Um, those people usually don't show up. Because they're ashamed or something. They're ashamed. Or they're fuck. They're like they're they're messing with you. They're not being sincere. They're being voyeuristic online. They right. get off on just the texting. Mm-hmm. And fifty dollars was the hot was the most I could get because if you at the time the market was saturated. Hello, <laughs> hello. <laughs> These are some great puns. You want to price yourself out? Puns. Little did I know that when we were working together at Calvin Klein, you were just feeding your supply. Yeah. To the hungry wolves on the street who wanted soiled panties. I know. I was like, give me these samples. You're like, Wendy, those are a size two. They're not going to fit you. And I'm like, they'll fit somewhere. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, Perfect. They won't fit on me. Right. They'll fit in, in me. Exactly. <laughs> so at some point, point in my body, we'll get them to fit. That's great. Um, but so they, the people were pricing their panties at like $25 a pair. So I get guys would be like 50s too high. So I priced it at, that was actually the price where you would get people that were serious. 
and that were not creepy. That actually was kind of the top of the bracket. Mm. And then I would meet them in person, like at a coffee shop or something. And that's when I could start asking more because I think they think it's something, a lot of the chicks in there would be like, well, I'll mail it to you. Here's a picture. Because mm. I guess it was on Orange is the New Black. When I talked about it on stage, people were like, did you make that up? Is that from Orange is the New Black? And I said, never seen the show and mm. I would never lie about doing like I'm really Semi about that life. And right. you reach into your pants and pull out of your vagina a fresh pair. Sopping. Right. Sopping, yeah. Sopping. Yeah. Fresh is a relative term. The merch yeah. table. Your merch table is just filled with soiled panties. Yeah. My panties are fresh, I guess, like a fish out of the ocean. Fresh. It's like flopping around. Well, back up, you're going to get sprayed. You know that's I mean? great. Oh, that's um, fucking great. But... Yeah, so that was you go and meet them and they'd be like, oh, you're a real person. And I would sit and talk to them. And so then they would be really into it. And they're like, I want to see you again. I'll give you another. Did you like slip it them in their pocket? Drive the price up. Yeah, you do it like a drug deal. So I had little Ziploc bags uh. to seal the freshness. And you'd, 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 you'd write little things on, like, this is a different strain. This one will help you go to sleep at night. <laughs> Looking for a full body ejaculation? Try the uh, Hawaiian Kush panty, which I stuffed in my vagina after a big juice cleanse. Uh, you know, <laughs> The med men of panties. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you just like, this is ripped yeah. for That's no one's so pleasure. <laughs> that is awesome. Do you hate yourself for even doing this? Boy, are you in luck. This is full lace. <laughs> you told me as well. Tell me the, the technique you understood that men would use to masturbate with them. Like how did they then uh, use them themselves? So there's like a smelling thing. And so they smell it while they're jerking themselves off. And then the guys that I was like, what do you even do with these? Apparently they take the panties and wrap it around their cock. And Probably use a little that to, cock ring. Yeah. Cock ring, cock rag, whatever. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. This is like what Berg was talking about before he would go on stage tying off or whatever. Yes, but I didn't understand that we, we were talking about how male we had Aaron Berg on last week. Ah, oh, love him. Yeah. <laughs> and he was saying that, you know, male strippers before they go on stage, they jerk off and then they you know, tie almost a tourniquet at the base of their penis Under the to balls, engorge though. the penis and trap the blood there so that, because when you're dancing, you're not going to maintain an erection. Right. Uh, so that keeps it looking hard, right. like a balloon that's filled with water. But then by the time you get off stage, your dick is all black and blue. It's the worst thing you can do. It sounds miserable. Yeah, I was, I was like, that's a good idea unless you want to use your dick again. Yeah, <laughs> right. That seems for like, human purposes, right? right. But, but I don't understand. I don't sense that these men buying your panties would do it as a tourniquet type thing. It was more like they just have it, right, right, right. as a almost like a lubricant. Right, yeah. and they would jerk up and down with mm -hmm. with the, with the like a fun. This is really fun to just be hanging out with your buds. You know what I mean? And everyone's just doing like a jack off motion. Right. Yeah. That's uh, great. Yeah. We do it all the time. I huh? love it. I also love that you describe your masturbating as jerking off. Yes. Well, you know, it's everyone understands what I'm talking about. They sure do. Well, because flicking, I'm, any any term for a woman, I think sounds. Kind of, it just it sounds lame. It's like flick the bean, gross, masturbation. Right. What am I? Double click the mouse is lame too. Yeah. <laughs> to, yeah. And you're certainly not playing with yourself. Yeah, I'm trying to open up that window. You know what I mean? Excuse me? <laughs> what are you, an MS-DOS? <laughs> uh, 
playing with yourself is too docile because right. you were inducing right. L- fluid. Right. You're trying to get fluid out. <laughs> you're not playing with yourself. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not. Was this it's a technique fun. you had to perfect? It's entrepreneurial. <laughs> yeah. We're not, we're not like having tea. You know, I'm paying like, my rent here. <laughs> yeah. This is a job. Fascinating. Well, we were heading somewhere before we got into all of that good stuff. Well, um, we talked about, well, Calvin Cocaine. We're talking about the box. Yes. Yes. Penis cocaine. For those who don't know, The Box is a nightlife venue here in New York City that hosts all sorts of alternative entertainment acts throughout the evening. And you go and you buy a table, much like you would at any nightclub, except that your your focus is mostly on the stage. And the highlight act is this crazy character called Rosebud, mm-hmm. uh, who is a, oof, I want to say the term is transsexual. Somebody Transgendered, who, perhaps. But, but it's it's not... Oh right! It's 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 they it's a a man with a vagina. No, it's a man with breasts. Okay, that have been built, but I think he still has a penis. But he dresses as a woman. I think that's transgender, right? Yeah, yeah. And is this the plunger bit you're talking about? Transgender is our modern term that just encompasses anybody that doesn't uh, adhere to a, a gender binary system. But there's some, if you've had the sex change, I don't. Think that means you true. have gone. You've become a transsexual. I thought that was what it was, but the etymology of all this is, yeah. is vastly confusing. And I don't know what's more entertaining: watching you guys do jerk off motions or watching two straight white men discuss. I think I think gender. our I think we are more informed than ninety nine percent of people having this discussion. Oh, because for sure, we have to be. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. The, the stakes are high. This reminds me of, can I tell you, and this is totally off topic, this happened maybe two weeks ago. I live on the Upper East Side, and there was, I was at a place called Eastfields. Shout out to Eastfields. Um, and it's on York and 78th. There's a Chase Bank on, on 79th in York. Some old dude got robbed at night at the ATM. But he was, it was an old man and he was robbed by a transgender woman. And so it took the crowd a couple of minutes to call the cops or draw attention because everybody was trying to, I swear to Christ, everybody was like trying to be woke and not misgender the criminal. That's great. I was there, my buddy comes in and we're like, he's like, dude, there was just a robbery. And I'm like, what happened? He goes, I don't know, this old dude. And then it was like this trans woman i think i'm like so what happened he goes well we saw her <laughs> this dude and it should then, be them we saw them right and that's what i tried to say i said well yeah you're supposed to say they or them and he goes i know we were like what are we saying so we're like hey chase that chase, get that person all of a sudden nobody's <laughs> nobody's mad that this person robbed a guy no. right they're just like Poor trying not man. to offend a criminal yes that's great he goes yeah we we're just like uh get that Get that person. That yes. person. By the time that person was down the block, <laughs> <laughs> that is fruitful. I was like, "Holy shit!" I, that's got. That's got. There's a bit somewhere in there. I don't. But yeah, like, I stuff. mean, yeah. But it was really beautiful, and I was like, "That's fucking genius." I love it. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. <laughs> Jesus. You were in the bathroom of the box doing cocaine for the first time off of what can only be assumed to be an erect penis. What, how did that transpire? Um, I was leaving Glamour Puss, the show that I produce, and at the time my head was shaved bald. So I was shaved. Again, shaving my head, not my mistake. Most of my life, as I was going through, I was like, a lot of these things could be considered huge mistakes. Um, my head was shaved bald, and I was wearing a wig, 
And I was in this little mini, like a onesie lace, black, slutty number. I have small tits, so I wear real slutty shit all the time, and it doesn't bother me. Um, so he's walking, and we just sold the first show. We sold out. I got a little backpack on. I got this hooker outfit on. I got a wig in my hand, an envelope full of cash. I feel great. I'm like, I live in New York City. This Everything's turning out fine. This dude walks up to me, and he goes, you're sexy. And I was like, you're sexy. <laughs> Again, not on cocaine, fully sober. <laughs> Just naturally bipolar and unmedicated. So I was like, this is the greatest city in the world. And he goes, come party with me. And I was like, let's do it. So we go to the box. I go with this dude to the box. We get there. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? I love it. And we walk in and he's like, you want to do some cocaine? And I'm like, fucking yeah, let's, let's ride. Let's do it. So we go in the bathroom and I'd never done cocaine. And I did a line off his dick. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. I can just keep well, drinking on that well well but 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 here's here's where i'm confused yeah uh why did we start with his dick as the surface how did that come to, about um i'd had a couple drinks i'm pretty sure and my natural brain chemistry i'm bipolar which is why cocaine i like and it actually helps to it sounds backwards but it will balance me out kind of because the artificial dopamine dump, my brain then pumps out less dopamine. Oh. So I naturally, people, like right now I'm fully sober and I, I took a holy basil to kind of slow down my anxiety. My natural brain chemistry and um, is as if I'm on like a mix of cocaine and molly. Hmm. So I'm always very excited to be everywhere I am. I have, talk, like I talk very quickly, pressured speech. I get really fuck excited about everything all the time. Um, so I'd had a couple drinks. And he was like, do you want to do cocaine? And I said, sure. And he said, follow me to the bathroom. Like that's, I just didn't know. I wasn't like, oh, we chop it out and put it on a table. I was just like, so it was already as if I was on blow. Yeah, but all of this is normal to me. Right. Until you're in the bathroom stall. Right. And instead of him putting it on a key or maybe putting it up on a little shelf or the toilet paper dispenser, he says, get on your knees and do it off my dick and do, and he said that it was his idea yeah and then he worked himself up to having an erection he had um and again i don't want to this is going to sound like a stereotype and i don't mean to stereotype he was an african-american gentleman and his dick was not hard it was just really fucking huge <laughs> but then how that's see this, this I'm, I'm so fascinated so by he, the details. he's a shower yeah. But, but okay, what does he lay his flaccid penis on a splint of some kind? He can hold it in his it palm. He held it out with his hand yeah. and he took the baggie of Coke and he sprinkled it on his dick and then formed it and pushed it in a little line with his pinky finger. And so there was a line of cocaine on his dick and it was very easy to see. Um, and I, he was like, there you go. And I said, all right, right. And I just did it. And then did you interact with the penis after the cocaine? Um, no. You didn't get a little gummy? No, I thought about it and I was like, I don't want to suck your dick. He's like, no, 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 I don't want you to, I just want you to do it. I'm like, okay, great. And then he ended up getting his dick sucked by um, one of the performers at the box. So he was in a trans woman, which is probably why he saw me a, a mile away, right? Big ass shaved head, flat chest. He was like, this dude is sexy. <laughs> wow. He saw me, he's like, this dude is built like a fucking 
female horse. Is that's he saw me a mile away, and this I was like, great. "Surprise! Uh, I got a pussy." And he was kind of bummed out, and he's like, "I guess I'll let you do coke off my dick, <laughs> but don't touch it." Yeah, don't touch it. Don't touch my dick. What a decent <laughs> encounter, too. You're like, I guess he's like, "No, no, no you don't have to suck." Yeah, like just a gentleman about it. Yeah, I've never heard a cocaine off a penis situation by a true gentleman like that. No. Have you heard a lot of cocaine off penis situations? Yeah, and they always come out like, yeah, she's doing blow off my dick. It's never like... <laughs> uh, it's, it's always never, from... Oh, she was wonderful, and she very delicately did. <laughs> and, and do you hear all your stories about cocaine off dick from truckers in the South? Well, that my, accent was uh, beautiful. Effectively. She was doing cocaine off my dick. Off my dick. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Yeah, and it involves a very shameful high five afterward and then it's like no one should be watching you guys celebrate like this no wow it's funny though i needed all those details though yep. i needed the whole picture right because that is not uh an encounter that i have, have experienced nor heard about ever in my yeah. life but that's great um and then you went back into the box and presumably had a good night yeah, I had drinks, had a good night, and then did coke a couple more times um, that night. But it was, I was like, oh, this is great. And this was, it was like a fun. And that's when, you know, that turned me on to that whole scene, that whole the time. drug scene. Yeah. Did you yeah. have a come down? Um, a little bit the next day, but it wasn't that terrible because I didn't do, it wasn't like at, at one point, and I know we were friends during this point, there was a point in time, like, about six months before I just stopped, I was like, all right, let me take a year off from substances uh, where I was doing cocaine on the daily. Not well, good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Every day is tough. Yeah. Um, amazing. Well, we will, we, you'll be headlining at the house of yes. Yeah. And when is that? October 23rd. And it's where a, can we get tickets for that? Um, there's a link in my Instagram and okay. at the house of yes website. Great. And that place is super cool, too. I think it's a, a slightly less debaucherous place than uh, than the box. Yeah. yeah. But it's still very alternative and funky and bohemian. And, uh, you know, there's a scene in the movie 300 um, where they, I think, uh, Leonid, no, no, the king, the king, not our good king, the bad king, Xerxes entices that hunchback character to betray the spartan army and he shows them the pass the back route entrance into where they're defending and in the tent there are all sorts of misshapen beings that are doing sexual things and it's bedecked in gold trim and red velour and that's what i picture the house of yes to be yeah. Right, right. Have you been there? Uh, no, but I have been to the Paradise Club in the new edition in Times Square, and it's run by the same people. Okay. And they actually have a comedy show there now, which is a great thing to check out. Cool. Um, but so it's the, the show is very similar from what I understand to House of Yes. Yeah. So effectively, sort of. Is it a theater? Um, I've, I've never it's been to House of Yes. It's a cabaret, right? Yeah. Like a, yeah. I've actually never been to House of Yes either. I've seen mm. pictures on Instagram and people seem to be covered in glitter. Yes. Mm. It's going to be great. You're yeah. Have a blast. Well, it's interesting because there's a show. Um, I did a show once at a place and they the theme was it was like an eyes wide shut theme. So you never know how these things are going to go. Because mm. a lot of times when people are into like into those places, which I like, they also take themselves really seriously. Yeah. And so it's hard to be like, oh, first of all, like I'm not going to make fun of Yukons for the first 20 minutes. Like this is ridiculous. This is I mean. Like, so that can be a little, but it, it'll be fun. It's fun. Mm. Well, that's the thing is that the sex work stuff. I could be like, 
you think you guys are cool? Yeah. <laughs> Guess what I used to do for money? You know what I mean? So it's like <laughs> I win. I trump all those people. You have alluded to some true mistakes that you believe in. Yes. We'd love to hear about some of your oopses. So the cocaine, I, so I was trying to think, so doing cocaine may have been like on paper, that's an oops. Because you go like, well, and then that led to an addiction. But uh, the thing is with doing comedy, it's hard to say that anything's a full mistake because you can switch it into a joke or at least other things or you learn lessons from them or whatever. Right. Um, but I would say that my, my third, I have two really big ones and they're when I was younger. Um, one was when I OD'd on, I tried to kill myself. I took a bunch of pills and drank a bunch of vodka. I was 19 and I was living in Hollywood at the time, going to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. So I grew up in Southern California, going to school there. And I mentioned being bipolar. So I was undiagnosed at the time, didn't know what it was. So I would, as a teenager, would have these cycles where I'd be awake for four days in a row. I have jokes about it on stage, but I, the first time I was like 16 and I just couldn't sleep and I had water polo practice and I, and I was at, at all kinds of stuff, but I was just awake every night talking to myself in the mirror. And I was like, I don't need sleep. I feel like I've, and then I remember Thursday night I'd practice in the morning and in that four days I'd actually been pulled. So this Friday when I went in, I was pulled from practice because in four days I'd lost something like eight pounds because I was so manic. Which is like, so just dopamine and I wasn't eating. I was just staying awake. So instead of my parents being like, we should take you to a hospital and maybe take you to a doctor and get you checked out. They were like, she's being dramatic because she's still mad about the divorce. So fuck her. It's like nobody thought anything was wrong. And they were like, she's just hyper. She's just trying to get attention. So that I was an unmedicated and very bipolar. Didn't know. Now I'm in Hollywood living in my own apartment for the first time, working two jobs, going to school. And um, they were like, you're a phenomenal actor. You really dive, dive into the roles. But I, I didn't know. I was just having like psychotic breaks and fully going into this thing. So I was spiraling out of control and I was awake for days and days, couldn't sleep. And I was like, fuck this. I'm going to kill myself. So I took a bunch of I had like sleeping pills and pain pills. I took those, drank vodka and then just passed out in my closet in my apartment. And then I was there for like a day and a half, just groggy, waking up, taking more, trying to kill myself. And uh, when I didn't return my mom's calls, she contacted my next door neighbor because I was 19. So she made sure she had like everyone's information in the building. Smart. So he had a spare key. So he comes in. He finds me there just kind of groggy, half passed out. They take me to the hospital. I get my stomach pumped. And while I'm there, the doctor, they ask you like the dumbest questions. I remember I'm there like with tubes in my nose. And she's like, so do you ever think about harming yourselves or others? And I was just like, no, I feel really good. That's why I did this. Like, I was just like, oh, just because I'm, you know, so they ask country questions. I give smart ass answers. Um, and I was kicked out of school and they're like, OK, well, you can't live by yourself. You're mentally unstable. You have to go back and live with your parents. So I had to go back to my mom and stepdad's house, this big house in Seal Beach. And I get there and I was there and they're like, she can't be alone. Nobody diagnosed me as anything. They were like, she's trying to kill herself. She can't be by herself. So I moved back in with my parents and like three days later, like, so we're going to Mexico for 10 days and we will see you when we get back. So the domino effect of me trying to kill myself, getting kicked out of school, I go back home. I um, was I got I triggered into another manic phase where I was up for days and 
Um, that ended in me calling the cops because I thought ninjas were trying to break into my home and kill me. <laughs> and if you don't sleep or eat for days and days, you hallucinate. It goes, it, that is a board goes into schizophrenia. Um, and so then I was uh, hospitalized against my will for like three weeks in the psych ward. And I kept getting extended. <clears throat> Excuse me. I kept getting my stay extended because I, and I, again, I have like very funny jokes about it on stage, but it was not a fun time um, because I really was like, I don't think this is real. We're in a simulation. So I was just not, and not taking my meds because I was, I thought everyone was out to get me. And, um, and then I was finally released from the hospital and I still have never been, I was on meds for like six months. Um, but I did not, I was, I didn't like it because it slowed my brain down so much. So I just stopped taking all my meds. And, um, that would be, and I think about it now, and here's the problem now, because I think about getting on medication now, and I probably should. Um, oh, I might cry. Um, but it's one of those things where, and this is going to make me sound crazy, and I'm sober. <laughs> but it's one of those things where if I had maybe been medicated when I was younger or followed through and taken it, I would be not you know, like selling my underwear on the internet and doing blow off of flaccid cocks, you know, in public spaces, I would do blow off of a hard dick, like a woman that respects herself, you know? Cause I'm like, I only want to do blow off a guy's dick if he wants to fuck me. <laughs> I want to, I, I want to feel attractive. Um, but it's, I, but I think there was a breaking point and I know, and I thought about this when I'm coming to talk about this. Cause I'm like, well, in theory, I could start taking medication now but I think it's something where I'm so far gone that something in my brain cracked where I'm like, I don't want to take medication because part of my brain feels like I've seen the truth or some fucking crazy person bullshit. Um, and so that really my whole I mean, that's uh, every relationship I've ever been in. I the bipolar and and because the problem with bipolar disorder is and then whatever the type that I have is that I think I'm. The good thing is like your IQ. So the problem is my IQ is really high. <laughs> so the problem, and I've been tested. It's like, I'm super smart. But the problem with that is you think you can outthink a problem. <clears throat> Excuse me. They say that people who have severe bipolar, sorry to interrupt you, are typically like very intelligent and have a similar situation where they think they can outthink their brain. Mm. Yes. So that is difficult. And maybe if I'd been medicated when I was younger or if I'd followed through with medication, um, and, or, you know, and just, uh, and like been able to kind of slow it down when I was younger, mm. um, then I would be more open to taking something now, but it's like my brain. So I've learned to work with it. So like today, like I have holy basil, so that slows down mm -hmm. the adrenaline and the, but then I, the other I thing, I don't know what that is. Holy basil is, and this is going to be some, sound some stupid hippie shit. Um, it's an adaptogenic herb and it slows down your adrenaline response. Hmm. So, um, do you eat it? Do you smoke it? Take the pill. I, oh. I take it in capsule. You can drink it as a tea. It's what a lot of people describe like CBD doing for them yeah. mm -hmm. when they smoke weed. But my brain is already so, I don't want to say open. It makes me sound crazy. But like when I've done, when I was experimenting with drugs in the last couple of years, 
when I took LSD, I microdosed LSD. And I remember because my, my brain chemistry was so out of whack from drinking and doing blow because the cocaine would like it because it gives you uh, synthetic dopamine. It's like when you drink a lot of coffee, you blow out your adrenal glands, right? So when you're drinking so much coffee or Red Bull or caffeine, you your body stops making its own, producing its own energy because it's like, I don't know what you're putting in your body that's blowing out your fucking nervous system, but we're shutting down. So that's where people are like, I drink coffee all the time and I'm constantly tired. It's like, well, that's because you're putting this fake stuff in. So your body's not making its own. Mm. So with drugs, with Coke, if I would do so, like I'm, I'm manic all the time. Alcohol is a depressant. So I would like bring me down. And then cocaine, I could do a bump and then get back and kind of level up to normal. So I'd, um, LSD, my brain's already kind of open to that. So I, I already am kind of thinking in very strange ways, which is why I sound like I'm on drugs when I'm not. Uh, and weed, people say, oh, you smoke weed to help calm me down. I take one hit and of like, and I sound like a cop when I talk about marijuana because I'm like, I take one hit of weed, <laughs> but like, and I'm, I'm, it's, I'm almost hallucinating. It's like I'm on mushrooms. It's like, but holy mm. basil does what those drugs are purported to do with two people with normal brain chemistry. Yeah. So it just helps you to kind of slow down. And so this is me on like a slow down thing. So imagine there's, there's, <laughs> There's so much. Maybe the mistake is that I didn't succeed in killing myself. Maybe that's the mistake. Oh, the mistake no. is that I lived. I'm joking. Yeah. Again, it's Wendy Bird 82. <laughs> so if we, let's say that we paint the vision of, of what a lot of Americans consider to be a, a normal life, mm-hmm. which is the, you know, you get married, you have kids, steady job, all that stuff. Do you, is there any part of you that longs for that? Um, or, or do you feel like I, you have subscribed to a life that is so far in the other direction and that even a thought of returning that way would destroy everything you've built? Um, I think the second thing. So I was talking about this the other day. It's so funny with this podcast right before you were like, hey, do you want to come to our show? And I was like, it's about mistakes. I was having a conversation with my best friend about she goes, do you ever look back and think every decision you made was like the wrong one? And I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, that's how I feel. So it feels like I said, that's like. That one decision to be like, I'm not taking I'm not. So I went for like four years hard with these decisions I made out of a very manic state. And then those things. So then that then narrows your choices. So you make one choice, you know, um, and then so it's like the choose your adventure books. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. whatever. That's all life. All life is. And so. But yeah, I do. I feel like I've made these decisions that got me to this place where I'm way the fuck over here on this completely different mountain range, almost to the top. And it's so exhausting. Like, this is such a cheesy analogy, but it feels like I'm at this point where it's like the wind is blowing and I and there's no I have to just hang on and just fucking wait for the wind to stop for seconds and take another. And part of me goes like I would part of me. I do think about that. I'm like, I could go for just, you know, be home at seven. I love cooking, you know, and just hang out. But in order to do that and that's I always say if I was on medication. I would 100 percent do that. Mm. If I could cut out this part of my brain, um, I would be able to do that because I would just be calm. So if I could, you know, if I could take medication and just kind of shut everything down um, and shut off the mania, then I, but, but 
And even knowing that, but also where I am now, to stick with this very basic mountain analogy, and I apologize that I couldn't come up with something cooler, but it's like to go like, oh yeah, I would want that life over there. I'm so far here that I would have to go all the way back down, walk over and then start climbing up this fucking thing. That's you know? analogy. And so it's like, I'm 37. And so at this point I'm like, and not that, but let's be real, women over 28 are trash. So <laughs> <laughs> at this point I'm like, I just have to be successful on my own because that's you know that's um so it is it feels very daunting and so i don't like to think about it too much which is why it's good that i distract myself with work Mm -hmm. and doing other things but when i really sit and think and and look at like okay so these are my other options and there's a, a a documentary coming out which is cool and i am lucky so i know i'm very lucky that i got this but it's a it's a lucky thing it was the timing was very good so thankfully i have that if that wasn't happening I don't know. I think I might change my plan a little bit. Like I'm, so I look at like, I'm like maybe a, you know, try to like work on a book and do different things so that it's not just like going out and doing spots every night till two o'clock in the morning. Mm. Um, but yeah, it really is. I'm at this point trying to kind of batten down the hatches and be like, okay, what, how can we, from this place that you are now, cause you can't go back and get married and have a, a family with some rich guy. That's not going to happen. So now from like you got yourself in this position, try to slow down and like have a realistic plan about how to not, you know, have a miserable life where you're, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just kind of because it's so scary because you go, man, I could be, a, you know, you see people and not this and everything happens, you know, to different people. And I think that things happen for reasons. but. I go like, I don't want to be in my 50s working a minimum wage job somewhere. I don't want to do that. And so that's probably why I was like, let me like stop fucking drinking and partying. Let me get it together. But that's what I've noticed in that time is slowing down. I feel less manic. And that's made me go like, and having the mania slow down, which is why I'm like, I don't know if I want to get on medication yet because I need that fuel to get to the top. I've slowed down mm. and looked around and I'm like, where the fuck, like, how did I get here? That's how I feel. It feels like when you're driving and you're like blackout drunk and then you wake up and you're like, where the fuck am I? Like, that's how I felt in the last year since I mm. like quit like partying. I just look around I'm like, what have I got myself into? Mm. That's how I feel. And every day I wake up and it's just like exercise and meditation. And I have to be like, don't kill yourself. There's a way through this and out of this. But that's how I feel like constantly. From, you know, outside of perspective, I'm listening to you and, you know, this, this top that you're trying to reach, you know what I mean? It sounds like, and this is a thing that I associate with a kind of manic, the idea of mania where it's like things happen, you do it now, you do it now, it happens and you want to get the satisfaction of finishing doing whatever. And this sounds like if you wanted to find some kind of middle ground, again, not that I know what I'm talking about at all, but it sounds like it would be a thing that would be a process, but it sounds to me it could totally be doable. It sounds like you're already taking steps in the right direction. You're feeling calmer and better. And, you know, two, three years from now, isn't you're still going to be young, relatively speaking. You know what I mean? It's not like it's all lost for you and you have to stay in this state that you're not sure makes you happy or whatever. Like, it sounds like you can take small steps to find a balance between the two things that we're discussing. It can definitely be done. Right. You know, like you can find a modern, stable thing along with you know your lifestyle that you have or whatever i i think you know what i mean does that sound like something that makes I, sense i agree i agree with that like you said i'm trying to tamper that down and be like no no no. i'm not this is not unrealistic for me to have a career 
as 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 a writer, as you know, a comic. I'm like, I'm actually good at these things. So it's fun. It's but it's been a weird thing with because a lot of people go, oh, when you get sober and I'm again, I'm not fully sober, but I was sober for a year. And like. Well, a lot of times people will like quit comedy because they're like, mm. oh, what you know, because once you're sober, you're like, what what am I doing with my life? You know what I mean, yeah. and, like, or the people are only funny because they're fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I'm I think I'm funnier and, and better and sharper on no substances. So I actually prefer being sober when I perform um, and just for ideas in general. But like. It has made me go like, OK, it's not crazy. This job that I've chosen, it's not it's like I can actually have a career at this. But when you sit down with a logical brain and you're running probabilities on like what are, you know what are the odds of these things happening that's scary now if you're manic or if you're on coke that's the example i'm going to keep using you'll be like well we can do it but a person that's mentally stable might be like let's find something where the odds are a little bit more in your favor for a good outcome mm. and so that is what's scary now and so here's the analogy with why with not getting on medication um is I there was a guy so I'm super into BDSM. I moved to New York, dating this guy. Dating, I use the term loosely, but I just met him out, and he um he's a dom. He fancies himself. He's and he's like super gross. He has like a fake tan. He's from Long Island. He's like not that tall. Anyway, he has a lot of money. <laughs> he's got some. He has like spiky hair. He's super gross, but he fancies himself a dom. And I um. So he's like, do you want to be my submissive? And I was like, sure. And so, but then I also was doing like weird like office work for him, but then it turned into like a submissive thing. And he goes, I run these sex parties and I can pay you extra. And I was like, great, sounds good, right? And again, I was doing, he was feeding me cocaine. So I was like, a sex party? Best idea I've ever heard. How could this go wrong? And my hair was like kind of grown out from a buzz cut. So you work these parties and I only did two of them. But you go and when it starts, you're like, this is dope, right? Right. This is really fun. It's a bunch of chicks walking around. And I was the oldest. And I, this is a, this actually was good for my self-esteem because there are lots of different like shapes and sizes of chicks. And I was the tallest. And I had the smallest tits and the shortest hair. And I was the oldest. But people were like, all the dudes kept being like, I want to play with her. That's a terminology you use. So in this, but so you're like, oh, look at all these dudes and they want to fuck all the different types of women. So for me, that got rid of a lot of insecurity because I'm like, oh, OK, so if your ex-girlfriend or you're checking this chick out, doesn't mean you don't also want to fuck me. It's just like, OK, great. So that was that was a benefit of that. But when you're at that party, so for the first hour or two, you're into it. You got a few drinks. There's free cocaine. You're horny. You're wet. You're coming all the place. You're into it. Are you having Are you sex? Having sex? Yeah. Oh yeah, and they're bowls of condoms. They're bowls Just of condoms out in the open. Yes, in a loft. So this guy runs it. These people pay to get in, and again, if you're a police officer, I have a wild imagination. I mean, I'm, that's a great thing. You know, I could be whatever. Anyway, fucking who cares? So the cops don't listen to the show, and if they do, please come to a show. <laughs> Support my Patreon. Um, I so people pay an entry fee. And they go in and then there are chicks there and it's just they're like walk. It's I think what people think the house of yes or the box, like what they want it to be. But this is for real. You pay a cover charge. You go in. Um, you can have sex. You cannot. There are couples that come in. The girls will have sex with each other. But it's like a private party. 
and you go in and there's a bartender and so it's people having sex and they have to ask the dom the guy running it like i want to play with her i want to play with her and he will allow He's it a dispatcher correct yes exactly <laughs> well, does he have to ask both parties hey this person's interested do you do you want to have sex with that person um they kind of like the chicks will but a lot of times no the chicks it's kind of that's like what they're there for oh you uh, have to accept all um parties. kind of i mean you can say if someone like if someone's being but like people are watching so like no one's being like abusive no one's mm-hmm. being um but but what if it's a dude who's just disgusting and fat they probably like and, and like you're you you've no interest in that person well and not to sound harsh this is gonna sound harsh but this is why i think sex work should be decriminalized because there's some people that are fucking gross looking but they still want to fuck. Yeah, of course. And they want to fuck someone that doesn't look like them. And right. so it's like, that's this, the work in sex work. That's like part of what it is, is it's like, oh, I do not want to do this. Okay, great. Well, but if someone's like, I'll give you a thousand dollars to suck this gross dude's dick for 15 minutes. Right. Be like, okay, try to try to make that kind of hourly rate anywhere else. Right. right. Um, and, even Calvin Klein, that's a great job attempting there. But even then, you're like this. Right. I'm getting yelled at by other temps. Right, right, right. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I'm getting treated like trash by other temps. Right. And, you know, and then like if I go to get a sandwich from the when they have the, all the food stuff, I go to like get a sandwich from the leftovers, and some cunt that works in the design department is gonna be like, "Oh, the poor people are stealing food." I'm gonna be talked to like that for twenty dollars an hour. You fuck. You wanna talk about being disrespected? Right, right. You know what right, I mean? Like. Right. So, um, in that sense, I got a lot of strong feelings about that whole issue, but obviously, but like, you know, I've been treated like a lot worse for a lot less money. Mm-hmm. Um, but so at those parties, you're into it and you're like, this is great. Well, around hour three or four, cause they'll go for like five or six hours. There's not the booze and the cocaine starts to wear off and you kind of come to, and you look around and I even, you're like, what the fuck am I doing? Your pussy dries up and you're like, oh my God, what, 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 whose idea was this? I got to get out of here. Like, I can't believe I'm here, but you still have two hours to go and more gross dick you to suck. Leave. You know, you got to like work. It's a whole shift. And so you have oh, to work. Wow. So you have to stay there and be into it. And so it's like, well, I guess I better re up. And so then you like go take, you know, and go take a half hour break, go smoke a cigarette, come back, clear your head and just fuck and booze and drugs and like ramp back up and like get yourself in the mood to just finish out the because sh- you're like i'm here i have to finish this wow. so that now that's a more cool analogy than the mountain analogy so that is kind of how i feel right now because this movie like is coming out and so we're gonna i'm gonna tour with that and so i'm trying to like conserve my energy and slow down and be like i don't know if i want to get on medication yet because i think i'm gonna need some of this mania to fuel me for the next year, at least to just kind of get going. And then once I'm in that space, then I'll be able to taper, um, taper down and maybe look at getting on some type of medication. That's something that is actually like in my two year plan is to get on medication, which Mm -hmm. is, um, but I just, but I've thought about it and there's a specific reason I'm like, well, I'm here. So I have to keep my like mental pussy wet Mm -hmm. (laughs) for comedy. (laughs) We should wrap. Can I ask you one question before we wrap? Yeah. Did you ever bump into somebody you know at one of those parties? No. I wonder what that must be like. No, but I did run into one of those people that I met at a party at a show. Oh, baby. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. 
real interesting. I also ran into a panty guy when I was on a date with my sugar daddy three weeks ago. That yes. was hilarious. It was one of the best. You're like, well, I really colliding. live on yeah. the fringes of society. I do. I really do. I live <laughs> on the fuck in the fringe of the underbelly. And it, so that's why that's why the cocaine and panties was like not a mistake because <laughs> it leads to fun things. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Well, what a fascinating uh time we've had with you thank you so much for being so open uh wendy and uh one more time we can find you at the house of yes on october 24th october 23rd that's Excuse wednesday me, 23rd she also runs uh glamour puss oh yeah that's monthly christina hutchinson yeah with yep. christina hutchinson and check her out on instagram at wendy bird 82. 82. Wendy's with an I. Yes. Thank you, Julio. Yeah. Hey, listen, we're good luck. I'm yeah. a, I feel like I have to pay you guys for therapy. This <laughs> no, is so weird. I'm sorry. I just came in and just fucking. Well, I'm so glad we had everything. It was, <sighs> it was great. <laughs> Um, as always follow not julio with a j uh that's julio i'm at at francis cc ellis i'm at gotham comedy club november 22nd and 23rd you can get tickets for that at francisellis.com slash shows julio anything yeah uh, come to my uh show in the new york comedy festival november 9th at midnight at the stan comedy club restaurant it'll be fun thanks so much guys we'll see you next week with more oops